we have been studying about God the Holy Spirit how he works in our lives how he is involved in our lives and as a person how the Holy Spirit can be quenched and how the Holy Spirit can be grieved we have been talking about that and we are going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 Ephesians 4 30 Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Father, we are grateful to you. We pray that you will speak into our lives. Release grace and anointing that will make the proclamation of God's word effective. In Jesus' name, we bind every powers of darkness, every critical spirit be still, and we pray that the proclamation of God's word will be effective here. We take victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. So be it in the house of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. We have established through the scripture that the Holy Spirit is a person and as a person, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what we have said. We thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit that indwells us and the power of God that is available for the body of Christ, every member in the body of Christ, so that we can live a life that is pleasing to Him and that we can go from victory to victory. Quite often as human beings, it is in our nature that we tend to rely on our own strength and try to do what God wants us to do by using our own strength. This is how Warren Worsby puts it. He says, it is futile for us to try to serve God without the power of the Holy Spirit. Be it be talent, training, and experience cannot take the place of the power of the Spirit. Over and over again, we see it in the scripture and in the history. And if we will be humble enough to admit it through our life experiences as well. We realize that we cannot do anything substantial, anything that can impact by trusting in our own wits and wisdom, but by trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we don't tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, we tend to substitute it with something else. And we see in the world that there are a lot of substitutes that are ushered into the realms of the body of Christ because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in the measure and in the degree that God wants us to experience so that we can do great exploits for Him. So what do we do? This is how Reinhard Bonke puts it. We all know Reinhard Bonke, a man of God that God used mightily hailing from Germany, starting his ministry on a bicycle as an evangelist. He became a globe-trotting evangelist who was well known that the Lord used him 
to manifest the power of the Holy Spirit through him and through his ministry. How does he put it? He puts it like this. The less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. I like cake and coffee, but we need to ask ourselves, what is powering our ventures? Are we powered by cake and coffees? Are we powered by things of the world? Are we powered by carnal things of the world? Are we relying simply on gadgets and gizmos? Are we powered by the things that the world has to offer? We can tap into technology. There is nothing wrong in it. There is nothing wrong in having cake and coffee. But if our programs are running on the strength of cake and coffees and, and then the strength of worldly wisdom that only gives us limited mileage, we're going to run out of strength. We're going to run out of stamina. We will not have enough strength to run the race when we substitute the Holy Spirit power by any kind of power that the world has to offer. The Spirit of God that indwells us is a spirit of love, of power, and of sound mind. Loving, helping us to love the unlovable. Praise God. The Holy Spirit helps us to do the impossible. The Holy Spirit helps us to love the unlovable. The obnoxious people around us. People who make us feel bad. What makes us love them is the Holy Spirit within us because it is the spirit of love. And when we yield ourselves to the spirit of love, we are able to love the unlovable. It is the spirit of power, meaning when our power fails, our power fades. Our power is not available. The spirit power is given to us so that we can make strides. What a beautiful picture. A portrayal of that power in the Old Testament you see. We see Elijah. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him in power. Tucking, hallelujah, his robe under the waist. The Bible says Elijah ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. Ahab's chariot was royal chariot. It was powered by royal horses. Praise God. The man of God in his own strength will not have the strength and the stamina to overrun, to bypass the chariot. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, the Bible says this man ran ahead before the horses, the chariot of Ahab, because he was powered by the Holy Spirit. This morning, the question to us is, what's powering us? What's driving us? What's motivating us? What's pushing us? What's stirring us up? What is leading us? 
What is guiding us? Praise God. May it be the power of the Holy Spirit because every other power will fail. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We said that there is a difference between grieving and quenching the Spirit. This is how James Merritt puts it. We grieve the Spirit by doing what He tells us not to do. We grieve the Spirit by doing what He tells us not to do. Have you ever done things what He has not told you to do? We are not talking about not using common sense. That's not what we are talking about. In the realms of God, in our service for God, in our ventures for God, in our endeavors for God, if we are doing anything that He's not telling us to do, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Praise God. We quench the Spirit by not doing what He tells us to do. Praise God. How often we do what He tells us not to do, and we refrain from doing what He tells us to do. That's something that you have to settle with the Lord within your prayer closet. So let's move on. Praise the Lord. How can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Paul, when he puts this verse down, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, for by this Holy Spirit you have been sealed for the day of redemption. That's what he's saying. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Seal symbolizes ownership. God's seal of ownership is upon every born-again child of God. We belong to him. We not only belong to him, we exclusively belong to him. Not to be shared by any entities, anyone else. We belong to God because the Bible says he has purchased us with his precious blood. Praise God. Therefore, we belong to him exclusively. And the seal of the Holy Spirit upon our lives is a seal of ownership. Praise God. Hallelujah. Imagine. A husband and wife relationship. You have a wife that you love and you have an husband that you love. A husband and wife, when they enter into a covenant relationship, they are saying that by virtue of that covenant relationship, their, their love is a, is a set-apart love. It's an exclusive kind of love. The love that they have for each other is an intimate, exclusive kind of love which cannot be shared with anyone else. It's a special love. It's an exclusive love. It's a love that is bound to each other. Praise the Lord. If any one of the partner becomes unfaithful, how much would it grieve the heart of the other partner? 
Because you belong to each other. The Bible says your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your spouse. The husband's body belongs to the wife. The wife's body belongs to the husband. This is a unique relationship. And when there is a betrayal, and when there is a, a, a trust that is broken, it grieves the heart of the other partner. Because this is exclusive. Likewise, we, the Bible says, we are being sealed by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We exclusively belong to Him. And when that exclusivity is lost by virtue of compromise, praise God. That's why the Bible uses strong language. Do not love the world or the things of the world. The love of the world is enmity with God. Whoa! When we fall in love with the world, the things of the world, when it takes the place of God, rightful ownership of God, when it pushes God out of the throne that he is on, and the world takes seat up into our hearts, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Enmity with God. You know the scripture says God is a jealous God. Praise God. What belongs to him he holds it dearly. Closely. Close to his heart. Praise God. And he won't. He does not want to part you with Anything or anyone. And when the world puts a stake on you. When the world puts a right on you. Because we have opened our heart to the things of the world. Praise God. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. It also talks about security. Ownership and security. Holy Spirit is a guarantee that will be preserved until Christ returns for us and our salvation is complete. Praise God. And this Holy Spirit, He loves us, He protects us, He preserves us, and He can be easily grieved. Praise the Lord. You know, one of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have touched there, we have touched, we spoke about it, I don't want to enter there. But one of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Paul puts it, it's like this in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and this is how Paul puts it. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What image? What image? What image? What image? Ah, oh, church, what image? We are being transformed into His image from glory to glory. Whose image? Jesus. He wants us to be partakers of the divine nature of Christ. God wants every one of His children to become like His beloved Son, Jesus and one of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is he sees to it that we are transformed into the likeness of his image going from glory to glory just as by the spirit 
of the Lord. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus and the Holy Spirit works within us so that we are transformed into his very likeness and image. Wow. Praise the Lord. Now, when we understand, when a Christian sins, praise the Lord, he has turned away from this ministry to what? To one of restoration. The Holy Spirit is working in me. The Holy Spirit is working in you, in each and every one of us, because he's working so that we will become like him, like Jesus. Praise the Lord. But when I sin, what happens is, now the Holy Spirit has to do the ministry of restoration and reconciliation. That grieves the Holy Spirit, not because he's doing the ministry of restoration, but the progress, the momentum, the upward mobility that we had, what happened? It sees us when we fall, falter, because now he has to work in us, restore us, that's where he starts working. He wants to restore us because he don't want to leave us aside. He don't want to forsake us. He does not say, I'm going to push you out. But rather, he's working on restoring us. So each time I fall and falter, praise the Lord, he has to work on me again and again to bring me to restoration. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It hampers the momentum that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the work of the Holy Spirit, by empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we are being transformed. And there is that, that hampering of that work being done in us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. That progress in our life is, is interrupted by sin in our life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, when Paul, when you come to what Paul is writing to the Ephesians, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then you look at the pretext and the context, we understand what are some of the activities in our life where the Holy Spirit can be grieved. We're going to go through it very quick some of the activities in our lives that can grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to know what can grieve the Holy Spirit. So according to what Paul writes, we're going to look into what is the activities that can lead the Holy Spirit to grieve. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I have, I have borrowed these terms from David Jeremiah. Okay? And this is how he puts it. When you look at verses 25 to 32, we see there are different activities or lifestyle in our lives that can grieve the Holy Spirit. Number one, verse 25, our morals. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one Another. Praise the Lord. How many of us have never lied? Anybody that has never lied? Not one single one? This is the first time you must have said the truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
We all have lied at one point or the other. Lying comes in different colors and shades. Lying would include every form of dishonesty, every form of shadings of truth, exaggerating, flattery, cheating, failure to keep promises, betrayal of confidence. All these would fall under lying. And the Bible says we grieve the Holy Spirit when we lie. Really? Now, I don't have time to get into a lot of details, but something that is applicable to all of us. Okay? So we came to church this morning. What's applicable to all of us? What is it that we did when we came to the church that's applicable to every one of us? We came to the church. Worship. We all worshiped. Okay? Now, the Bible is very clear. Jesus said, speaking to the Samaritan woman, he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the standard. Jesus says this, that God is a spirit, and those who worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth. And that segment ends by Jesus saying, and God seeks such true worship. Now, we came to worship this morning. Okay? Worship is not just coming up on stage and doing praise and worship. That's, that's a part of worship. Okay? Were any worship that is not in spirit and in truth is a lie. Any worship that is not in spirit and in truth is a lie. We disrespect God. We dishonor God when we come in the guise of worship and do a lot of things and walk out of this place. Praise God. Think about it. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. Praise God. When as, as I stand here and I minister, it's part of worship. We talked about it sometime in the past. I hope that all of you remember. We use three Greek terms. Proskinio, lateral, sibo. Three Greek words. Proskinio is falling prostrate and worshipping before the Lord. Latro is doing what? Anybody remembers? Huh? Giving praise, sibo, any kind of service. So I am here doing a service for the Lord. And deep down in my heart as I am ministering to you, if there is a desire in me, that through this ministry of God's word, I want to impress you. Listen. I'm ministering God's word. And as I am ministering God's word, it was a desire within me is to impress my hearers. That could apply to anything that we do. The service that God desires of us should be pure. 
truth spirit and truth any kind of contamination in that activity praise god dishonors god oh my god how careful we ought to be we take it casually carelessly no that's why we have to double check ourselves when we come into the presence of god i will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart i will enter his courts with praise praise god the psalmist says even how i enter into his presence praise god god has an expectation praise god hallelujah when i do something for the lord hallelujah there has to be truth in it this is what god desires of me and when there is anything less than truth it grieves the heart of god praise god service to god praise god is an awesome privilege entrance into the presence of god is an awesome privilege which we have received through the finished work on the cross of calvary as lofty my god is high as high and lifted high he is as as almighty he is he allows access into his presence just because the access is free for you and me it cannot be taken casually and carelessly so when i stand before god i check myself every one of us have to check ourselves that i am not lifting my hands up to him because it's simply a response to the person who is next to me when he lifted his hands up i also lifted it because it's a natural thing uh uh-huh. it doesn't reach there praise god hallelujah oh my god praise god every words that flow out of our mouth in his presence that's why ruben archer tory says puts it like this before you come in the presence of god and utter one word from your mouth before one word is released from your mouth you need to take into consideration that you stand before the creator god and when that thought settles in there is a shift in our mind that i stand before an almighty god then what comes out of me is measured it's careful every praise hallelujah praise god every praise is directed to him hallelujah 
Every glory is directed to him. The Holy Spirit helps me to give him praise that connects me to my creator, that allows me to realize that standing on the earth, hallelujah, the heaven is his throne, the earth is his footstool, at his footstool, as I stand, praise God, as a praise rises up, it reaches heaven and God is pleased with my worship. When you and I have that revelation, that understanding that God is pleased with my worship, it changes our demeanor. Praise God. It changes everything about us because we are now sure that my worship is received in heaven. I have used this analogy here. The Holy Spirit is reminding me again, I think I need to say this so that we understand what we are saying. A man had a dream. It's a dream. Man had a dream and in his dream an angel comes and takes him up to heaven. The man was a pastor of a very large congregation. And this pastor was given a privilege to have a bird's eye view or a heaven's eye view onto his church. And from heaven he was allowed to look into his church. He saw a big opening in the roof and there was worship going on in the church. The hundred member choir was singing. There was a momentum in the house. And this man looked carefully into that assembly. He realized that this was his church. For a moment he was scared. He was thinking, hey, what am I doing in heaven? Am I okay? The angel said, look carefully. Listen what's going on. The pastor told the angel, you guys need to ask some of our technicians from the media team to come and help you guys up. The angel said, why? The pastor said, your video is good, but your audio is bad. Because I cannot hear anything that's going on in my church. I can see everything, but nothing that's going on in my church, I cannot hear. I only hear two people in my church. All the way up in the front, there is a young man. He seems that he's out of control. He's jumping up and down and he's, he's, he's boisterous and excited. And there is other old amateur grow grandma in the back seat. And all I could hear is, is her heartbeat and a sob that comes out of her heart. And I could see streams of tears running through our, through our cheeks. And here and there I could hear one word of sob. And I could hear Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is something wrong with your audio. The angel said there is nothing wrong. This is how we hear it in heaven. It's impossible. Hundred member choir. The whole church is, 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 is 
shouting up and down and jumping up and down. You can only, I can only hear two people. That's how we hear in heaven. He asked him, what does that mean? It means only those two people's worship is reaching heaven. Folks, what are we saying? Praise God. Any worship that is not in spirit and in truth is simply a religious exercise, a ritual, burning of my energy. I look at my eye watch here and my rings are going because there's a lot of activity. What really matters is how heaven views our worship. Are we able to strike a chord in God's heart? By the glory, by the hallelujah, by the praise, by the song, by the message, by the teaching, by the preaching, by the service that we do in the house of God. If not, it's simply a lie. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. Praise God. That is just one part. Praise God. When we are not truthful to each other, because that verse is also written in that context, verse 25 is written in that, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Listen, I'm friend with my brother Jeremiah and Jonathan. And if I say anything to him, intentionally, deliberately, that deceives him, even with a good intention, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Because he's a spirit of, he's a spirit of, praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's move on. There's so many things to say. Next one. Verse 26 and 27. Praise Lord. Nor give place to the foothold. Praise God. Be angry and do not sin. How can you be angry without sinning? You all get angry. I don't know about you. I get angry. I used to have a very, very short temper. Very short temper. Thank God. I'm not completely out of it. But if you knew me from the past, my parents know me, my spouse know me. Very short temper. But the Holy Spirit can work in us. The Bible says, do not be angry and do not sin. How can you be angry without sinning? Well, the perfect model is Jesus. Remember Jesus went into the temple? He made a, a whip a, with, with the cords 
and he whipped the guys who were there, and he cleansed the temple. Praise God. Was, he, was Jesus angry? Yes or not? Yes, Jesus was angry. He was not angry because his feelings were hurt. He was not angry because Jesus was being ignored. He was angry because people were hindered from worshipping the Father freely. In other words, they had turned the temple into a business. And Jesus was grieved that the people who came to worship the Father could not worship freely. Praise God. Hallelujah. There is something called righteous indignation. When we get angry and when we sin, the Bible says we give foothold to the devil. Ooh. And to the Satan, if you give him a pinky, he will snap your arm out. You take it so easily. You give him your smallest finger, he will snap your arm out. And there are not people, much many people who are not, who do not get angry. We all get angry. But if our anger is leading into sin, and after our anger leads to sin, if we don't take time for reconciliation and restoration, what happens? We give room for the enemy to operate. Hey, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have the seal of God's ownership upon me. I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within me. How in the world does Satan get a foothold in me? Because I allowed. Anger turns to what? Sin, and I gave room for the enemy to take place in my life. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. We forget about it. You know, the easiest thing is go to sleep. We wake up the next morning, something has settled in our heart and we carry it for days and days and days and days and months and months and months and one day it does what? It explodes. Praise God. There is a place for righteous indignation that leads us to pray about an unfair situation, about an unjust situation, and seek the Lord for solutions. We cannot give room for the devil to operate through our lives. Can't give him a launching pad to operate from our life. This is how Aristotle, the philosopher, puts it. I, likes it, I like it, and I quote, Anyone can get angry. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and the right way, this is not easy. End quote. Praise God. Anger. Anger. 
anger can lead to sin, which can give room for the enemy to operate through our lives. Let me move on. The next part is mood. We move to the next part, which is money. Morals do not lie. Mood do not get angry and give room to the enemy. Next one is money. Who likes money? Anybody likes money? I like it. You don't like it? We all like money. There's nothing wrong in money. Money is a good servant and a terrible master. So there's nothing wrong in having money. Look what Paul is saying in verse 28. Let him who steal, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. I was baffled when I read this. That's crazy. That's crazy. Let him who steals, let him, let him not steal anymore, but work with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. That's, isn't that crazy? No. Don't steal, that's okay. And the next part is, Paul says a couple of things here. Number one, he says, if you're stealing, don't steal. Next thing, get a job. And get what kind of a job? What kind of a job? Huh? What is the term that's used there? Honest work. Working with his hands what is good. Honest work. And then he says that he may have something to give him who has need. Only Christianity will promote these kind of things. And that's what Jesus does. Paul, in other words, is saying, start working so that you can start giving. Really? Stop stealing and start sharing. Really? From a thief to a philanthropist. Woo! Now, stealing comes in different forms. We all know it. From grand larceny to petty theft. From not paying our credit card debts. Some, they are very active. They witness, they preach. On the clock. What does that mean? I used to work in an establishment where we had brothers come with Bibles in their hand and would not work, but they'd be busy preaching. Have you seen such people? They are powered! But that's not right. From plagiarism to false measurement. 
from falsifying accounts to falsifying records. Listen, they all fall under what? Stealing. Thievery. And Paul says, when we do that, that grieves the heart of the Spirit. That grieves the Holy Spirit. So he who has been stealing, stop stealing. Work with your hands and do something good so that you will have something to give. We all should be motivated to rise in life. But quite often, when our income rises, what else rises with us? With that, hmm? our standard of living rises. There's nothing wrong. It's your money. You decide what you want to do with it. But Paul is promoting. He's saying, "Listen, you work with your hands so that you can give." Is the heart of God. Because you know what God does? He lifts, lifts the poor and the needy from the ash heaps. And when you work hard and the money that you have, you use to build yourself and your family, you do a good thing. There is nothing wrong with it. But you do a nobler thing when you use the wealth that God has given you to lift someone up. Why? Because that's the heart of God. He lifts the poor and the needy from the ashes. Now, the Bible is not saying, it's not promoting freebies. That's not what we're talking about. Using our wealth to lift people up. Praise God. God loves a cheerful giver. God is a giver. God gave what? He gave his son. Son is a giver. Son gave what? He gave his life. Holy Spirit is a giver. Holy Spirit gives what? Gives. So we see God in his nature is a giver. And so he gives us strength to make wealth. And that wealth, Paul is saying, work with your hands so that you will have something to give. How many of you guys delight in giving? You need to have a heart of God to delight in giving. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he starts that word by saying, stop Stealing, because when we do steal, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Praise God. I have a few more. I don't have the time. I'm going to stop right here. Because the next one is going to take us on a longer route. Let me ask you, church. In our worship, have we been grieving the Holy Spirit? In our emotions, in our moods, have we been grieving the Holy Spirit?
in the realms of wealth, money, how we use our money? Have we been grieving the Holy Spirit? If we have been, only you and the Lord knows. Praise God. Can you put your hands upon your heart and say, Lord, and if he's reminding you of anything in our life that has grieved the Holy Spirit, would you for a moment stand there with him? Talk to him. And if the Holy Spirit is bringing you to that place of restoration, praise God. Would you tell him, Lord, I have grieved you so long. Maybe unintentionally, not intentional, not purposefully, but unintentionally. Lord, forgive me. Would you make a note of it? And would you allow, ask the Holy Spirit to empower you, ask the Lord to give you grace to overcome those challenges in your life? Speak to Him. Speak to Him. Don't just simply get up and walk away from this place. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. Mold us. Mend us. Impress your image upon us. That Christ be seen in our lives. And if I have been grieving your spirit, through my words, through my actions, through my code of conduct, through my behavior, through my dispositions, through my thought life, through my attitude in any and every realms of my life. I confess it. I forsake it. I ask the Lord to sprinkle the blood of Jesus and cleanse me. And I make a resolve this morning that I, by your strength, by your grace, will overcome such hindrances such battles in my life can you sing that song Jesus at the center of it all